Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Style That Binds Us podcast. We are so excited to have Jennifer Zuccarini, founder of the luxury lingerie ready-to-wear and swim brand, Fleur Du Mall, on the Style That Binds Us podcast. She founded the business in 2012 and has since expanded to multiple categories and opened two stores. Prior to founding Fleur Du Mall, Jennifer co-founded Kiki Jamal Parnas and worked as design director at Victoria's Secret. <laughs> Cannot wait mm-hmm. all of this. And Fleur Jamal has been worn seriously by every single celebrity you have ever heard of, including Rihanna, Anna Taylor-Joy, Sienna Miller, Kendall Jenner, Jennifer Lopez, Lady Gaga, and more. They've been featured in all the magazines as well, Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, The Zoe Report, Who at Where, among many others. Jennifer, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to do this podcast with you both. Well, let's start right away and talk about this latest chapter, Fleur Du Mall. What led you to start the company? Yes. So while I was in working in fashion for a while, that's something... I always wanted to do since I was a child, basically knew I wanted to be in fashion. Um, I didn't ever think I would necessarily be in lingerie, but I did have a personal um, fascination with it. I loved beautiful lingerie for as long as I can remember. And I think as a designer, I was always thinking, even though I was designing more clothing and ready to wear, I was always bringing in lingerie elements. So that's kind of where it started And I moved to New York. I studied fashion design at FIT. I started working and I, with two co-founders, decided I always wanted to start my own brand. I'm, you know, very entrepreneurial and that was always my dream. And with two co-founders, you know, we realized that there was an opportunity in the market to create something that was um, a luxury brand that was all about enhancing your intimate life. And that was my first, the first brand that I co-founded Kiki de Montparnasse. So that's kind of how it all started. And then um, I was at Victoria's Secret, as you mentioned, for a few years as a design director. And those experiences, you know, I think working for at that time, Victoria's Secret was doing really, really well, $6 billion company, the biggest lingerie brand in the world. I was really I went there just to gain some experience to understand how they operated and to really then take both of those experience of co-founding this luxury brand and then working for this massive corporation Mm -hmm. to launch my own company, Fleur Du Mall. And with Fleur, I was very inspired by, you know, thinking about a brand that really appealed to powerful women who really love to embrace their femininity and sexuality and I didn't really think there was a brand that spoke to really who, who, who I am, who I was back then, and pe- women in my life um, who also love fashion and really thinking about lingerie as, you know, something that makes you feel incredible. You, it's part of what you put on every single day and how to really incorporate that into your wardrobe. So it's not just something that's precious or, you know, for a special occasion, but really thinking about how our woman is dressing every day, but also with a little bit of a, you know, we have that extra little sexiness, I think. (laughs) Absolutely. Tell us how you came up with the name. So I was looking for a name for many years, and I don't know if you guys have ever gone through that. I'm sure you have with even naming your podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. I was 
you know, writing down ideas. And probably for two years, I was thinking about when I start my own brand, what will the name be? I was actually traveling in South America and I was in Argentina randomly in Buenos Aires. And I happened to go to a vintage bookstore. I mean, I love, I love sourcing vintage and I love looking at vintage books and magazines as well. Mm -hmm. And I came across an edition of Les Fleurs du Mal, which is a famous collection of poems by Charles Baudelaire. Mm -hmm. And I just thought the name, the name just really captivated me. And I thought, wow, this is such a great name for a brand. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote it down and then did more research. And I liked, decided to go with the singular version, just Fleur du Mal. And, you know, it sort of translates to bad flower or (laughs) some people say flower of evil, which sounds a little extreme to me. It's more like, I like to Mm -hmm. think of it more as like, naughty flower, bad flower. Right, right, right. Noir. Exactly. And I was just really attracted to the dichotomy of something that is beautiful, but also has this more potentially darker side that has a little more complexity. Um, It just resonated with me. And I don't know, I started sharing it with people that I trusted and I just knew it was, it was the right name for, for the brand. Well, it's a beautiful name that we adore so feminine and all the things that you're saying. Let's talk about the design process. What inspires you? How far in advance do you begin? How many collections do you have a year? All of those things. We start the design process about six months out, six or seven months out. We used to be on a pretty traditional fashion calendar because I'm very inspired by by what's happening in fashion, not just looking at what's happening in lingerie. So we, we've always been on a pretty standard, we were on a pretty standard fashion calendar, you know, showing spring in February, everything on that, on that schedule. And then, you know, through the pandemic, we made some changes because we realized that our business is 90% direct to consumer. That's how I launched. I launched, you know, we did have some wholesale, but I did launch as a 100% direct to consumer brand. As you guys know, the way people are shopping online is less about having this big seasonal collection that all drops at the same time, but moving to more of a monthly drop system. So we cut back on our collection and now we really plan things more in monthly drops, which is a much healthier and better way to design the collection because we're really thinking about how people are shopping less rather than well, the industry wants to see 200 styles in February. (laughs) And for me, you know, I take inspiration from so many things, fabrics. I do a lot of fabric research, vintage shopping, as I mentioned, anytime I'm traveling, the first thing I do is go check out vintage stores and art, you know, love going and checking out galleries and museums, music, really take inspiration from everywhere. I like doing a lot of novel, fun things. So you know, a season, one season could be our inspiration is fruit or it could be this artist. So I try to just come up with something that I'm interested in that moment and try to build a collection around that. That's fabulous. We did a video when we were in Paris during fashion week, right after the week was over about vintage shopping and consignment shopping in Paris and went to all these different little shops. That was so much fun. I definitely see how you would get your inspiration from that. And that's well, that's one of the things I think that makes your collection unique. Thank you. Yes, I love Paris is definitely one of the mm-hmm. best places to go vintage shopping. Mm-hmm. Hands down. 
Absolutely. Um, let's talk about how lingerie transforms how you carry yourself, even if nobody else can see it. This is important to me when I work with women. A big part of my business is helping women build or remember their sense of self and self-confidence. Yes. Well, lingerie, as we know, lingerie is such an emotional category and people, you know, people that are really, I think there's different reasons why people gravitate towards lingerie. There's some people that are just fanatics and they're collectors mm-hmm. and they love it. And, you know, they get very excited to buy it. And it's, it's like, it's similar to beauty in that it's can be also an emotional pick me up mm-hmm. to purchase lingerie. But I think it's also can transform the way you look in your clothes. And that's something, you know, which I'm sure, you know, so well from mm-hmm. working with clients that it's so much about fit and what's underneath is the foundation for everything that you're putting on top and having a bra that fits you properly and having the right undergarments that's is going to make a difference in how you look in your clothes. And then I think also having something, putting something beautiful on mm-hmm. makes you feel great. And, and it is about really no one else seeing it. it, it, it someone mm-hmm. else could see it and that could be great also, but um, you know, our customer is really shopping for herself and, and that's, you know, there's just something very decadent and mm-hmm. lovely about treating yourself with something that makes you feel beautiful and, and is hopefully comfortable and makes your clothing look better too. So, yeah. So we think about that as it transforming, it's mm-hmm. transforming in that way can be. That's fabulous. I mean, seriously, you know, even if no one else knows, you know, you know, and that's what I try and explain when my clients are, especially with, you know, undergarments with bras and stuff, you know, they're like, Oh, I know they all say, Oh, I need a new, I know I need to get new bras, you know, and they're (laughs) they're just like, Mm -hmm. everybody's so busy, but they do not understand how important those bottom layer pieces are. Like you said, besides just as important as how they make your clothes look. And then just as important as how they make you feel inside, you know, it's, it's so much more important. It's the very beginning of the whole process to me, you know, it's just super important. So. Yeah. And also just wearing most women are not wearing the right size, uh, the right bra size. And I think the idea for a lot of women to go and get B size for a bra does not sound appealing. It sounds like a big chore. (laughs) Well, they can't figure out done where to go to get it done in the beginning. You know, in with, they're like, I have no idea. We spend a lot of time, you know, our team, um, they're expert bra fitters. And, you know, that's something that I think we don't, I probably don't talk enough about as a brand because we're so much about, you know, the aesthetics of the brand and beauty. But I also, you know, I'm a fit expert. I've been in the industry for 15, 16 years and fit is so important for us. And I think we try to make that experience of coming into our, if you happen to be in New York or LA and can pop into one of our stores to make that experience of being fit for a bra really enjoyable and fun. And, um, you know, we spend a lot of time with our team to, to create that experience and people leave. They're so happy. They're so happy because no one walks in and says, I want to be fit for a bra. Usually you have to kind of get them in the mood. Oh, for yeah. sure. <laughs> either they to take their clothes off. <laughs> right. Right. But that I'm just, I'm really thrilled to know that about, about y'all. I mean, I knew about the beauty, obviously, and everything, all of that, but that is a real, um, that is missing in 
the market for sure. So for me as a stylist and other stylists to be able to have you as a resource to know, you know, especially when people are in New York and, and LA, that's something that they definitely need to add to their list. Yes. I'm going to tell a lot of people about that, Jennifer. That's yes. super fabulous to know. Now. And we can also do virtual fittings with people as oh. well. Yep. We'll send you, if you don't have a measuring tape, we'll send you one and we'll do oh a one-on-one virtual. Oh, wonderful. And they can do that through the website. Yes. Right. Yeah. They can book. Well, through the website, they can book or just by emailing us. Um, okay at fleur at fleurdemall.com, then we will set up a one-on-one with one of our fit experts. Oh, I'm so excited. That's <laughs> wonderful. These are the things that I struggle, that Delia has to listen to all the time. You know, <laughs> I mean, the things that I complain about, I just search so, so far and wide to find um, solutions for women. And you just gave me a huge one. So oh, thank, thanks. Of course. Thank you. And no, it's very exciting because with the style that binds us, we want our community to live their most stylish and fearless life and looking put together. I think one of the secrets of that, as we are all discussing, Mm -hmm. is the undergarment portion. I mean, can you imagine ruining an outfit with a bra or like some lumps that you can see underneath or whatever ill-fitting bra or the laces showing through? There's no telling what it is, but anyway. Yes, exactly. Mom sees it. And Jennifer, one of our favorite things about your brand is making women take back that power and feel power, mm-hmm. sexy and feminine instead of a lingerie brand that objectifies women or just makes it seem like sex gets more for the male gaze or whatever. You're completely mm-hmm. turning it on its head. Absolutely. So many women literally wear their sports bras. Oh yes. <laughs> I mean, come we need to feel sexy. I don't, I don't understand this. Why would you do something like that? Well, especially as you get older. That's right. There's, you know, it's, um, it, it's all about comfort versus, you know, style. Mm-hmm. They're all, and so you feel frumpy, obviously, you know, and yeah. you don't want So it's funny because we, you know, we, try to have pieces too, that are, that are really comfortable. And we use a lot of beautiful fabrics, like a lot mm. of silks. And we just came out with our organic cotton collection. And for me, I'm, I'm wearing a bra right now. One of my favorites that's it's silk and it's lined in silk and it's mm-hmm. so comfortable. It just feels so good against your skin. And I think there's this, you know, misconception mm-hmm. that if something looks beautiful or if it's some, in some way, a little more sexier that it can't be comfortable. And, you know, I'm really wearing everything myself and thinking about how it feels. And, you know, I'm, for me, the way a fabric feels against the skin is super important. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think some of our bras could be almost as comfortable as a sports bra. Also sports bras do not look good under a lot of clothing. And they're really not that comfortable either. They can get tight at the end of the day around the band under your bust. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) It's so empowering. I mean, it really is. I'm really getting very excited about having you as a resource for my clients, especially, you know, 40 and above. I mean, you know, when people start. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this is great. Let's keep going. (laughs) (laughs) 
for two huge chapters in your life, Kiki de Montparnasse and then Victoria's Secret. So can we talk about your experiences with both of those companies and what you brought versus not to Fleur Dumont? Definitely. Well, I would say, you know, my first company was the first time that I had really built a brand from scratch and that feeling of, you know, thinking about every single piece of that from, from the collection to, you know, that, that brand was so much about the retail experience to how people felt when they walked into the store to the events. Um, so I love, I love building experiences around brands. That's something that I get very excited about. So I really, that was something that I took away from that experience, but also, you know, we were um, definitely a luxury brand using the most, you know, working with mills that work with Chanel, Valentino, French lace mills, Italian fabric mills. Um, that was something that I really loved about my first company because I love beautiful fabrics. And also, you know, the feeling of when you're an entrepreneur and taking on that pressure of having everything sort of, you know, kind of the buck stops with you. Like you are the person that could make this company or potentially break this company. So that pressure is challenging, but also I think something that I guess I'm somewhat drawn to. So then fast forward, going to Victoria's Secret, what I learned there was just understanding even how they manage their calendar and thinking about constantly launching new products. I mean, Victoria's Secret was so much about bra launches and, mm -hmm. you know, it's the, it's the gorgeous, it's the bombshell, like um, really giving, giving their customer a reason to come back into the store over and over mm -hmm. was something I really learned from there. And I think process, it's just, you know, such a massive organization and all the layers of mm -hmm. management that you have to go through to get things done. I mean, I think on one side for Fleur, I took, you know, the luxury, the beauty, the beautiful fabrics, everything I did in my first brand and that experience around the brand of exploring desire and intimacy and all those things that I find exciting. But then I tried with Fleur to, to do it at a slightly more attainable price point because I did feel for my first company that it was so expensive People were like, oh my God, I love it. I love it. But it's so expensive. And our, you know, our bras were like $300 and mm -hmm. a panty could be 125. So it felt more like a special occasion type thing. And, and I really wanted to create something where our, our woman and our customer could shop regularly and we could fulfill all of the needs of her lingerie wardrobe. Mm -hmm. So obviously Victoria's Secret is less expensive than we, where we are, but with, with Fleur, I tried to, we, we kind of sit in that more attainable luxury price point. And I wanted our customer, you know, it's not, it's our opening price point bra is $78, mm -hmm. um, which isn't bad. It's, mm -mm. you know, not, not cheap, but not, um, I think not unattainable. And that was really important to me. So I took some, I think what I didn't take from Victoria's secret was, you know, I think it's such a big company. There's so many layers of mm -hmm. process um, which is important when you're that size, but it's also, I'm not a big fan of design by committee. I think that it, you mm -hmm. lose the vision, it gets sort of watered down. So, you know, if, if you wanted to change a bow color on something at Victoria's Secret, sometimes the president of the company would have to approve that. And I'm not joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So 
you know, I think having a singular vision and, and what we're, we're very agile at Fleur, we can make changes, we can do things in a, in a much more efficient way. Um, and that's, what's nice about a smaller company. So yeah, I think there mm-hmm. were lessons from both sides that, that really helped me inform what I was building with, with Fleur de Mall. That's great. That's wonderful. That makes so much sense. And Victoria's Secret is so huge. You know, it's so huge. It's, it's a mass brand basically. And to have a piece of something of y'all's, it's more, um, it makes you feel much more special. Yes. And we try to create things that people hold on to and they're not disposable. That's really important for us too, to think about hopefully you'll be able to have that piece for years mm-hmm. with Victoria's Secret. People think of it more as it's not quite fast fashion, but something that's a little more throwaway. Like it, people Absolutely. don't, don't think the quality is great. And then therefore they don't even take care of whatever they get from there. Yes. That's right. And sometimes so it's a weird, it was like, you know, buy four pennies for the price of one or whatever. I can't even remember some of those yeah. things. It would walk in the store. This is completely different. Right. And that's what we try at what I definitely try and talk to my clients about, um, you know, less is more and having this beautifully curated, thoughtful wardrobe. And then that includes the lingerie. So how would you say that Fleur de Mal is different from other lingerie brands? We just mentioned a huge thing, the quality and um, the exclusivity, the feeling of exclusivity, even though it's attainable luxury. Mm -hmm. I, you know, we are not a solutions play per se. A lot of direct-to-consumer lingerie brands that have come out over the last few years are very solutions Mm -hmm. oriented and we're, we're brand first. We're, I feel we created something that people really want to identify with and connect with. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're like, Oh, I, you know, I am Fleur. Like I get it. You know, that's me. And, or I want, that's who I aspire to be more like. And that I think is what gets people so excited about Fleur. But aside from that, again, like the product, I think the quality is really great. We're very focused on fit. We've expanded our bra sizing and some styles to go up to 38 G. So I think there's that combination of attainable price point, luxury fit, plus, you know, that whole idea of when I started the brand thinking about dressing up and undressing how lingerie fits into your everyday wardrobe and, you know, layering a bra top under a jacket or a bodysuit. I think people also know us for that as well. Bodysuits, slip dresses, um, and I think that differentiates us from mm-hmm. a number of other lingerie brands. Yeah, that's so interesting that you said the thing about being solutions oriented because I feel like everybody's getting so much opposing information these days. A lot of it is like live your most beautiful life, and then at the same time, it's all about solution and practicality and versatility and all this kind of sort of utilitarian stuff. And so, especially women, I think, are just desperate to live a beautiful life, you know but they don't know how to get there. You know, like you said, I am Fleur or I want to be Fleur. And this is such an easy way to start. I was telling Jay about the concept of La Bella Figura. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in Italy, it's, a, it's the beautiful figure, but it's really about that, you know, taking care of yourself, living your most beautiful life, feeling attractive to yourself as well as to other people. And this is a perfect example of us a way that you can step into feeling that you're living, you know, a beautiful life. 
Exactly. And I think for us to tying in that element of, you know, in the brand, we try to, we explore sexuality and femininity and that the cultural part of that and having those discussions. And, you know, we do, um, whether it's an IG live or in-person events where we bring people together and have those conversations or dating. I love, love talking to people about dating. Um, those, that's, what's really, it's fun. It's everything that's sort of connected to the brand. And, and for me, I really think about it and having a lot of fun and spirit, um, is what I enjoy. I don't want to take things too seriously. It's serious, but it's meant to be. Sure. Yeah. I think that y'all have done such a great job with changing it from lingerie for special occasion to the everyday. I feel like a lot of our audience probably is more so still in that special occasion space. Like, oh, you're saving it for that special occasion. But I think during lockdown, we're like, we might not live Mm -hmm. another day. We might as well. There's, we just need to wear fabulous lingerie and treat ourselves every single day. So I'm so happy that we're doing this podcast and that we're going to get our audience on board with, with this as well, because you should wear fabulous and fun lingerie every day, even Monday, <laughs> all the days. Jennifer, I'm so curious to talk about what are your most popular products? What trends are you seeing in lingerie? Things like that. Yes. Yeah, so one, I think one of our most popular collections that people really know us for is our Lily collection, which is this beautiful embroidery that we um, we've had in the line for a few years. And I think there's something about it. It it just, it, it, it looks so beautiful on, but it also is pretty flat. So you can wear it under clothing pretty easily, but it's still so stunning. It's, it's just, and it actually provides a nice amount of support I would say our Lily collection and our Lily Demi bra is something that people collect and they come back to us again and again. We always come out with seasonal colors. A lot of our silk pieces, you know, and our silk slip dresses, we use like a heavier weight of silk than a lot of brands do. And it's bias cut. So it really flatters your figure and has that nice natural amount of stretch um, through the bias. I think people love us for that. They, they know they can get a, a, a great fitting slip dress. And I would say a lot of our silk lingerie too, people are Lux bra, which is a very simple triangle bra, but um, it's extremely versatile. And it's a basic that, you know, that, that really is a piece that every stylist has in their kit. It's just something I think it doesn't work for all cup sizes. It doesn't work for very large cup sizes, but it's just a great staple. And then I would say bodysuits, you know, people mm-hmm. really also come to us for a lot of our bodysuits, especially a few years ago, we were very bodysuit heavy. Now we have not as many as we did, but everyone knew us for, I think, great bodysuits. So, but there's always new things. We always have new novelty coming out. <laughs> mm. Lily, the Demi bra. I love the Demi bra. I love the, just love everything about it. Thank you. Okay, let's talk about how you have made your brand more sustainable and also extending your sizing. Yes, so extended sizing, that's something we launched. We started working on that in 2017 to expand our bra sizing. That was something 
we, even in my previous company and also at Victoria's Secret, because they really didn't offer a lot of extended sizing in bras. Mm-hmm. So many women were like, I'm an E cup. I'm a G cup. I really mm-hmm. want to shop with you. And we spent about a year and a half developing a collection of fuller cup bras. And I think what's hard for people to probably understand is how much, why brands don't do that more often. It's such a, it's expensive. It's a big commitment. It's, we had to fit all those styles on several different bra sizes. Everything was fit on a 36 double D. So we were really re-engineering a collection for larger cup sizes. And that's changing a bra could have 26 components in it. And that's changing so many of those components. It's a different wire. It's Mm -hmm. a heavier elastic. It's a different stabilizer. So Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of engineering that goes into making a bra. So for us, we took that very seriously when we were building our extended size collection. Um, So that was our first step. And now with every, with a lot of our fashion groups, our bigger fashion groups, we always try to offer extended sizing in bras. And then we actually also in 2019 did a a great collaboration with Precious Lee, who's Mm -hmm. an amazing personality and a model, Mm -hmm. um, which was our first plus size collection. So we are extending sizing in a lot of our ranges. We're still not there yet. There's still so much more we need to do, but collection by collection, we're expanding Mm -hmm. in every way. And then sustainability, that's something that's been a big priority for the company. And I think we have also still have so much work to do, but we just launched our first lounge collection that's made from 98% recycled fibers. Mm -hmm. And we're launching our first lingerie collection that is made from 75% recycled materials. And it's a beautiful Italian recycled. It's made from recycled plastics and, but it's a beautiful fabric. We looked at hundreds of fabrics to come up with this one that we felt was right for the brand. Um, So I'm excited about that. We're also moving all of our packaging to recycled paper. So bit by bit. That's great. Yes. Doing more. And everything, like you said, everything that you've talked about is much more complicated and time intensive and expensive than the regular person on the outside realizes. Yes. So it's a thing. And also your your pieces, you know, you want to keep them for a long time. So that is a very sensible way to shop. Exactly. What about colors like nude, black? What colors are most popular for you? You know, actually I think people, so obviously we, we sell a lot of black lingerie and we always offer black, but people really come to us for color. And I, I love color. I'm obsessed with it. It makes me so happy. It's something I'm, I, I get a lot of personal joy from. Um, so, and so for us, we probably do color a lot more than a lot of other lingerie brands do. We try to always come out with fresh seasonal, exciting color palettes, um, so it depends, you know, we had this beautiful, like inky blue color in the summer. Inky blue sounds mm, fabulous, right? Yeah. We called it starry blue, but it was, um, it was a color that we didn't even think we're like, oh, it's not a super summery color, but we're still going to launch it. And it's funny because blue can be sometimes a hit or miss color for lingerie, but this one just really resonated and people loved it but we do, I would say black is definitely still number one. Also, I think a few years ago, 
Ivory could be a difficult color in the US. Like in Europe, people wear ivory or white underwear. Mm-hmm. And I think in the US, it was not very popular. I think people are like, oh, I, it's going to get dirty or it's hard to take care of. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually we've seen, and part of that has been, I think people, you know, we sell quite a bit of bridal lingerie mm-hmm. as well. And just with the explosion of weddings happening, um, ivory is a pretty great color for us too. And that not, that used to not be the case. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. And of course, red, <laughs> red for holiday. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like Valentine's Day is one of your, is it one of your peak times? I'm sure. It is. Yes, it is. A, you know, holidays big for us too, but um, definitely Valentine's Day is a fun. Yeah. It's definitely a big holiday for us which is great. I mean, people also, you know, we do buy a lot of gifts from us. Also Valentine's day is a time when it's nice just to get something new for yourself. We do a lot of events around Valentine's day and it's kind of a funny, you know, it's a funny commercial holiday, but why not celebrate love? <laughs> Gosh, of course. <laughs> February can be a time January. <sighs> sometimes is slow for a lot of brands. So it's really nice. And then you've got spring, like you've just got this whole complete calendar. Valentine's Day can be hard for a lot of people. So I'm sure that y'all have come up with innovative ways to celebrate self-love and Valentine's Day and all of those things. Exactly. (laughs) Congratulations on opening stores in both New York City and LA was very recent. So are there any lessons that you'd like to share about opening and running and the importance of brick and mortar stores? Yes. Well, for us, I think I always wanted to open a store. I I was never thinking about opening a lot of stores, although now we are exploring opening stores in other cities. I think for us, everyone's used to shopping online, but there's still something nice about being able to come in and try things on. And for our, we still have a customer that wants to come in. She wants to be fit for her bra size. So we've originally didn't have a store. We launched with online only, but I had a studio, uh, my office where at some, sometimes we would have shopping parties there. People would come up and then over, over time, people would just want to come up to the studio and try things on. And we used to let people do that all the time. Like we will just buzz our office and say, can I come up and shop? It was kind of funny. And it got to a point where we were like, we can't do this anymore. Like we can't just have people coming in off the street to our office and putting underwear on in the middle of, um, you know, in the middle of our workday. So we, we decided to start open a pop-up in New York. Um, and that pop-up became a permanent store. And I think, you know, retail today is so much about programming and experience. And for us, again, coming back to like reasons for people to come into the store, pre-pandemic, we were doing a lot of events. I think it's just really important to build that the culture around not just the brand, but also our physical spaces. So I think, like I mentioned earlier, we would do, you know, we do panels and talks and we'll bring in sex experts and dating experts, or we'll bring in a DJ. So I think people sometimes now need a reason to go to visit a store, you know, like not everybody is just shopping as a pastime like we used to. (laughs) So we try to come up with a lot of fun experiences that happen in the store. We just did our first 
event in LA since the pandemic. We opened our store, unfortunately, in the middle of the pandemic. Um, so we're excited now that we can kind of start to do things again. But yeah, I think retail today is, is about experience and also having that one-on-one clienteling fit experience that is hard to replicate online. So those are, yeah, those are some things that are, are very important for us. And we try to make our stores have the same personality. They, re- they represent the brand. So we really want them to be fun spaces that people can discover things and, and hang out. Well, that's wonderful. I cannot wait to go and also cannot wait to check out if it's open to the public or whatever it is, the event list. That all sounds so fun. Yes. Well, we'll put you on our list. We'd love to have you. Yay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely need to go to the store. And I'll tell you this from a point of view of what I do for my profession, I make like lookbooks all the time for my clients that they can shop online, you know, through my recommendations. And always, if there is a store in the town where they live, they will go to the store and they really hate having to return things. Mm -hmm. So this idea of online shopping, there's some good things about it, but they're, they're, they d- it does not replace the experience of, like you said, touching the fabric, seeing it, trying on at the store, working with someone to find the right fit. That's really a huge difference. So that's why I think just straight online shopping is never going to, is never going to be a thing. Yeah, I think it complements it. And I think for a lot of our customers that maybe are shopping with us for the first time, it's great if they can come into the store and then they might, they'll know our, their size and our yeah. brand, and then they might continue shopping online. Right. Especially um, if they have some conversation, like, does this one fit just like the Lily, you know, those kind of questions. Exactly. Um, yeah. But I know it's hard for brands too to get a bunch of returns, you know, so that part is very important. Do you have any other tips for entrepreneurs? I had so many ups and downs, um, as you know, most entrepreneurs do when they start something, I think it's really just that persistence and not giving up. And it sounds like advice we've all heard, but you know, there were times when I thought there were times I thought I couldn't continue the business and I I didn't know if we were going to be able to, and it was so difficult. And this was years ago. And, you know, I, I took everything and I, I fought through it and I was so happy that I did, but you have those moments of doubt and not knowing if you're going to be able to keep things going. And it is really, it's a challenging industry to be in. Um, any, any business right now is, I think, you know, it's not easy to start a company. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think having that perseverance and grit and, you know, staying on your path. Um, and also I think having that, if, if it's not working, then maybe that's okay. Maybe there's, you'll pivot and do something else. I think giving yourself that freedom to, to be able to potentially walk away if it's not, if that idea is not the one, I think, you know, there's, we have such a culture now of serial entrepreneurs. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a great way to think about things too. It's like, okay, maybe you're going to do this. Maybe that works or doesn't work. And if it doesn't, you can think about potentially doing something else. I think for fashion, it has to be your whole life. Mm-hmm. It's such a difficult industry. I, I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. go into it lightly. And, you know, I put in, I put in the hours too. I think 
I have given up a lot as well to do this and, you know, working late, working every weekend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> a lot of, it's a lot. a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Do you have like, how long would you, I don't know that there is a, a number, but like how many years, if someone is just trying and trying and they're just not sure and they're going back and forth, you know, how long should they stay in something? Do you, I mean, I think when I first launched, I just thought that overnight it would be a huge success. Like that's just how I went into it at that time. I was like, oh, it's going to be amazing and people are going to love it. And, and, you know, it just took a little, it took longer, but then I realized, and I remember speaking to a friend of mine that some of the best brands, you know, they take time. They're not often overnight successes. They feel that way. Even look at something like Supreme. They, you know, they launched in the nineties people, it took them 20 something years to really become this massive brand. And so, you know, and think about every heritage luxury brand. So at one point I had to cut myself some slack because I felt disappointed that I wasn't growing faster in the beginning, even though we had so much momentum and so, so many positive indicators that this was the right Right. thing and people were loving it. So I think you need to have that to keep going. I mean, if you Mm -hmm. have spent three years doing something and you're not seeing positive momentum, even two years, then maybe you need to pivot something in the business. Maybe, maybe it's not exactly what your consumer is looking for in that moment. So I think for what kept us going was a lot of positive momentum. You knew people loved it. It was just getting the word out and finding the people that could afford it. Yeah. And we were always having growth. You know, we were always growing every right. season, bigger, bigger, bigger. So we've never had knock on wood, like a down season. Mm-hmm. It's always right. been very positive growth. I mean, this year grew 90% over last year, um, wow. which has been amazing. And so I think that also is a good indicator of, you know, is this, is this scalable? Yeah. Is this working? Sure. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right, right, right. If there is growth and that's, Congratulations on that. That's wonderful. Thank you. So going, giving up a lot, this is something both mom and I struggle with, like should we, how much should we be working versus living and all of that. So do you have <laughs> tips on how to navigate that? <laughs> oh, well, I think um, I'm still working that out for myself. I think <laughs> I still don't have a great work-life balance as of yet, but also that's a choice that I think I'm trying to figure out how do I improve that? How do I make more time for myself? And I think I do feel like I'm always on and need Mm -hmm. to be there for my team. And, but Mm -hmm. I have created some practices through actually through the pandemic that really Mm -hmm. helped me, which, you know, in the morning, most mornings I try to meditate for at least 15, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, I try to exercise and I have to really pay myself first, especially in the morning, And then I start my day in a much better way. And Mm -hmm. before that, I wasn't not making that time for myself. So that really gives me clarity and perspective to start the day. You know, I I think seeing, seeing people, seeing friends and family is so important to me. I always try to make that a priority, but I still, I still work very long days and it's rare that I don't work on the weekend at some point. It's very rare. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. It just, that's where I am. Mm Mm-hmm. I hopefully I will get there. I'd love to have a little more, honestly, like a little more time, but I'm still, I'm building, I'm still in like a building mode and I just sure. want to kill it with my brand. So. Right. 
Well, and you know, when, when people ask Delia about that work-life balance, she always says, but I love what I do, you know, and the people that we hang out with at work events or fashion events, those are our people. So we're, we, we love it. You know, we're lucky to love what we do. I think I'm older than both of you. And I think the only thing I ever think about is when I look back, will I regret something? Will I regret not spending more time with so-and-so or will I regret, will I say, well, I sure wish I had experienced, you know, my thirties more than, you know, just building the brand, those kind of things. Those are the questions that you weigh back and forth. And if you feel like, well, maybe I do need a little bit more balance, then you figure out something. But, you know, I think as an entrepreneur, you just know going in, Mm -hmm. there's really not going to be a work-life balance, but if you can create a few practices like that, or if, what is your thing? Like if your thing is just going and having, um, you know, trying out new restaurants, someone said, do one thing every single day that brings you joy. Yes. And that is almost like in your schedule, you look in there and think, where am I? Where is this time for me? That's going to give me a little. Absolutely. A little, it's carving out that exactly. It's paying yourself and, and, and being kind to yourself as well so that you can be there for everybody else in your life. Mm -hmm. But I know I agree. I think there's nobody at the end of their life that says, I wish I worked more. Everybody, everybody says, I wish I spent more time with my friends and family. I wish I traveled. I wish I lived the life that I wanted to live. So I do think about, you know, happiness a lot. And, you know, am I doing everything that I want to do? And, you know, even through the pandemic, I thought a lot about travel and I love traveling and I felt Mm -hmm. like I'm just itching to get back out there. I finally, you know, I went to Portugal in the summer and I'm planning some other trips, but I'm, I'm like, I need this in my life. This makes me happy. Yes, Um, definitely. Yeah. We have goals for our, you you know, we'll interview people on the podcast or we'll meet with designers and things. And then they're like, well, you have to come to Columbia. We have to come back to Italy. So then we're like, okay, that's, that's our goal for next year. And then the next year will be Columbia. You know, we have these goals for, and because now we have, you know, you have friends all over the world. So yes, you want to go visit them. (laughs) Right. And also it's the best way to travel. Go to when you're in a different country, be with people, you know, who live there. So totally love that. So Jennifer, what's next for you and Fleur Dumal? Well, we are we are looking at potentially opening more stores. So that's something we've been working on. And we just launched a little men's capsule, which was fun for holiday. (laughs) We actually debuted unisex silk boxers last holiday, which did really, really well for us. And so we've kind of been expanding that idea a little bit with pajamas and we have a men's robe also for a lot of the women that shop with us also for them to gift to their partner Mm -hmm. uh, or friend. Um, So that was really fun. We have a lot of, we're exploring more things in the sexual wellness space in terms Mm -hmm. of our own brand. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's something we're working on for 2022 and yeah, really global expansion. You know, we ship all over the world. We have customers all over the world, but we're really thinking about expanding the brand a little bit more in certain regions. You know, I would love to, yeah, think about doing pop-ups in other countries and oh, serious. Yeah. 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 So many exciting things. 
I think about like right now I'm just obsessed. Well, I'm always obsessed with Italy, but they would have so much fun if you had a pop-up in Italy. Oh my God. I would love to do that. Love. What about, I mean, you just have to do it. That yeah. has to be blessed, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> okay. So where can people find Fleur de Mal? Um, so you can find us online at fleurdumal.com or follow us on Instagram, which is, we have a great Instagram, which is at Fleur Dumal NYC. Okay. We're also we're on TikTok, our stores, our store in New York's at 175 Mott Street and in Nolita and our store in LA is in West Hollywood at 519 North Almont Drive in Melrose. And yeah, that's where we are so far. And my Instagram is at Jennifer Zuccarini. So follow me too. And yeah, hopefully we'll have more stores to share soon. Oh, that is so exciting. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on. We loved speaking with you. Oh my God. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'd love to meet in person since you guys are in New York, you'll have to come visit us, come to our store. I'd love to welcome you in our, our space and have a glass of champagne. We need to do that. Yeah. 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 So let me know anything you guys need ever for any of your clients or anything. We're, we're happy to help. We'll add links to Jennifer and Fleur Dumas Instagram and website and all the things in the show notes. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you for tuning into this episode on the Style That Binds Us podcast. If you like this podcast, make sure to tell a friend and subscribe. You can be a part of growing with us. Also, do you know about our weekly newsletter? You'll get access to exclusive content in our newsletter that we don't post anywhere else. Our newsletter comes out every Tuesday with the exception of the third Thursday of the month for Allison's special Celebrating Life After 40 edition. Head to the bottom of the Style That Binds Us website to subscribe.